Got your Bible, if you would, please take it with me. We're going to say our Bible decree. You know, we can sing songs. We can, we can do all kinds of things in our, in our religious circles, but if we don't have the Word of God, you have nothing. This is the only thing that matters. So let's hold it high. This is my Bible, God's holy Word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen. This will be my finale on the Word of God Speak. We've been going through a series where I took you through different uh, characters of the Old Testament. And they were Abraham, Moses, Joshua, Gideon. And today it's going to be you. Today the message is about you and how we can get through that. In, in our own life, how do we feel the Word? How do we sense the Word? Do we know that God is with us? But I just want to stop And as I conclude this series, I want to say what I said in the very beginning of the series, that I want to glorify the name of Jesus above every other name. We have gathered to exalt the name of Jesus. That is the name of Jesus Christ. This church is not about me. It's not about the music. And it's not even about our church. It is about the one that is high and lifted up. And his name is Jesus Christ. He is the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords. And he can transform your life. I can't do much for you, but he can do more in one nanosecond. I just wanted to use that word this whole time. In one second, in one nanosecond, than I can do in a whole lifetime. Does anybody in this room believe what I am saying? Amen. It's about Jesus. So today, all the glory and all the honor belongs to him. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we just thank you for your word. And Lord, as we dive into your word today, I pray that you'll hide me behind the cross. Lord, speak through me. Encourage us, motivate us, admonish us, Father. Help us to, to break the chains that keep us from, from running with victory and freedom in our life. And God, we just know that you are a healer. Thank you for calming the raging sea. Thank you for helping me get through fire. Thank you, Father God, for this journey of, of a lifetime of serving you. Oh, God. As we've learned from these characters, may all of us realize who we are. That you picked us, that you chose us. And we just need to trust in you and believe in you. So God, speak to our hearts today. Speak through me today. In your holy name I pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So we kicked this, the, the Word of God Speak series off, and we talked about Abraham and how God used Abraham. And he told his son, he said, now what I want you to do is I want you to sacrifice your son. And so he took his son up that mountain, and it was at that time that, that God started to speak to Abraham in, in a moment when many of us, if God said, I want you to give up your home, I want you to donate and give up everything that you have to New Hope, you'd all would say, what just happened? But more than that, he says, if you pick up my cross and follow me, that's the most important part. We put so much value in material things. We put so much value in this world that sometimes we forget the hereafter. Sometimes we forget to be kingdom minded because we're tired. We're exhausted. We're going through so many issues and so many situations in our life that keeps us hindered, that keeps us from truly running in victory with Jesus. 
that there was Abraham who trusted. And at that moment, as God told him to go up one side of the mountain, provision was coming up the other side of the mountain. And it was at that time that he reached in and he pulled out his knife to take the life of his son that God said, stop what you're doing because you've been faithful, because you have listened to my voice. I have given you provision. There is a ram that's in the thicket. Go ahead and sacrifice that, not your firstborn son. Wow, God is amazing. And then we went right into Moses. And there was Moses. God told him what to do. He said, listen, I want you to strike the rock. I want you to lead the children of Israel out of exile. I want you to lead them out of Egypt. I want you to free them from everything they're going through. But yet, right at the very end, as God was speaking to him, he decided to take matters in his own hands. A man who... Talk very well. I want to ask you a question. How long would you sit in this service... talk like this throughout my whole service it would be hard wouldn't it sooner or later we'd start to see seats empty out but what happened with moses is god said i don't care about your imperfections because i'm going to perfect you And Moses, he said, listen, I know that you have a speech impediment. I know who you are. I created you. I fashioned you. I knew who you were when you were in your mother's womb. I'm going to give you a man and his name is Aaron. And so God started to show provision in Moses' life and in the children of Israel. Then there was Joshua. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls. And they came tumbling down. He heard what God said. He said, march around those walls. He didn't say do it three times, four times, do it seven times. He said the number of perfection. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Why do we always compromise? And why do we always have to, we have to rationalize in our mind. God, is that really you? You know, I I always loved Tom and Jerry. How many of you love Tom and Jerry the cartoon? Okay, I, I agree. Tom and Jerry was the greatest. And, and the, the picture that they depicted, I loved. The angel and the devil. They, he was always wrestling back and forth. What should I do? Joshua was caught in the same place. What should I do? Often we say, God, that seems impossible. But nothing is impossible with God. And so we wrestle back and forth because we're listening to the demons, the things that are in our head, and we have to stop and say, wait a minute, if I'm walking in Christ, and this is my Bible, God's holy word, I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path, I will hide your words in my heart that I might not sin against you. And if you are living out a life that's in the word, then you won't second guess if that's God, you'll know God is speaking. And then last week we realized that, you know, we had a couple gaps in there. It was great to have the strength team with us, so on and so forth. And, but, but I'm here to tell you that when I started looking at the life of Gideon and understanding what Gideon went through, the Bible said that Gideon was a man of valor, that he was a fearless warrior. Gideon thought, I can't do this. I'm going to go hide myself in my wine press, in this hole in the ground. I don't want anybody to see me. How could you ever use a guy like me? 
So I had to stop and, and, and reflect in my own life. And it was at that time that I realized that Gideon was like, I mean, he had to have been sold out. I mean, he took what he felt was imperfections in his own life, and God said, I'm going to give the increase, even though he kept doubting him. And then he put out that prayer, and he says, here's my fleece, make sure. you know." And he kept asking God to prove himself. So what did he do? He said, here's the fleece. I'm going to put it out. If it gets damp, I'll know that you heard my prayer. Oh, he did that. He goes, oh, oh, hold on a minute. No, what I want you to do now is not just the fleece. I don't want you to put out. I want it to get damp around it and keep that dry. Oh, and God did that. How many times do you have to realize that God is real? When you're dancing with the devil, you'll get burnt. You have to be careful. Either you're walking in holiness or you're not. It's one or the other. It's a very easy choice that each and every one of us have. And so Gideon, the last big request, God said, you don't need 32,000 men. You only need 300. 300 men. We didn't need, and this is what's so amazing. God said, if you watch the men, how they drink out of that water is the men that I'm going to choose. So God said, okay, see those 300 men over there? They were lapping. What are they? Those are the guys that I need. They're going to go over. They're going to take over the Midianites. The children of Israel, you're going to help lead them into the promised land. Why do we give up? You know, so in this message, I started to think my own journey. I started to think, no one cares. Does God care? I mean, look at some of the struggles. Man, God, people are difficult Life is difficult. The struggles are real. I'm sure Gideon thought the same thing because he lacked in his faith. God didn't need 150 people to move us to Talmadge, Ohio. He needed you. See, God doesn't need anybody. He needs one. One surrendered vessel to do what he needs to do. He'll give the increase. I love that over the years in the ministry and in our life, why is it that we all think we're so important to the church? I've had people tell me, let me button my shirt and I'll demonstrate. Because this is how I actually look at them. Do you know what, Pastor? What? Do you know I'm a big giver in this church? And I'm going to tell you right now, if I leave this church... And you don't do what I want you to do, it's going to fold. So I just look at him as lovingly and kind of, that's okay, go ahead and go. <laughs> we don't need you. God doesn't need you, and he surely don't need your attitude. God will use whoever he wants. I remember George, he walked up to me one day and he said this to me. He said, Pastor, I'm a little bit nervous. I go, what are you nervous over? This is about eight years ago. And he said, you'll remember this story. He said, well, here's how the story goes. He goes, I looked at our checkbook and we've got these bills coming up and there's only under a hundred in our checking account. I said, George, are you kidding me? Isn't that a great place to be in? And he's just looking at me like, Patty knows because we had this talk too, didn't we? And he goes, uh, what are you talking about? I said, we've got an offering today. And many of you have heard this story. And there was a couple that were, were here on vacation 
visiting their daughters and, uh, and their son-in-laws. And it was right after the service because I told him, I said, don't you worry about anything. God has it all under control. Right after the service, the man walks up to me and he hands me a check and he says, you know, I just got to tell you, we, we haven't been plugged in in a church in our local, local area, but I just want you to know that here's a check for the church. And he said, you know, I, ho- I hope this helps. And I just wanted to give it to you because the Lord just laid it on my heart today. I looked at the check and it was a thousand dollars. So I did what anybody would do. I walked over to George. I said, George, here, you got to do something with this. Now, you guys can picture George, and if anybody knew George Nusius, his face lit up. He goes, and I just walked away because it was funny. It was in the basement of the old church, and I just walked away, and he's going, I'll never doubt you again, Pastor. I go, don't doubt God. Don't doubt God. God knows all of our needs. Isn't that right, Steve? And (laughs) our new treasurer, he's not new. He's been doing this for a few years, but, you know, it's exciting. Listen, there are different people today in the world. There are people, and I, I always say there's three different types of people in the world. Those that just got out of a struggle, that are going through struggle, are headed for a struggle that they aren't aware of. Even with all that, God is not caught off guard by your circumstances. And today we will amplify this statement and see if we cannot be strengthened by it. Word of God, speak. Who am I, God? Why was I created? Watch closely. Who am I? Am I what I do? An artist? An accountant? A teacher? A mother? Or am I what I've achieved? An honor student? An MVP? A winner? Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint? A sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things? None of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my Heavenly Father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace His identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all He has planned for me. God calls me his child. He says I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me his masterpiece. I am loved by God. He says I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus, my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question. Who am I? So you've noticed over the last several weeks that that question came up several times in my message. Who am I? What am I? Why was I created? What is my relationship about? Who, you know, God, I know you know my heart. I know you know my cares, but who am I? And hopefully by the end of this morning's message, you'll understand who you are in him. Let's take our Bibles, if you would, please, and turn into the Old Testament to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. I love this text. I love this book. I, and I love what it has to say and what it offers because I believe there's truth to this text. Jeremiah chapter 29. 
verses 10 through 14. In the New Living Translation, it says this. This is what the Lord says, you will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. And I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster. Then the King James says, not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. Isn't that awesome? Now, I'm going to read it over here because that's what I do. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10. I like this. Listen to the promise of the Lord. For I know the thoughts I have and that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end, to give you a hope. Then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. Wow. I will what? Hearken. I will listen to you. Verse 13. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search with me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, says the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from all the nations, from all your places, whether I have driven you out, says the Lord. Then I will bring you again into the place where I caused you to be carried away captive. Point number one, God knows. Your thoughts matter to God. Because of his love for us, he gives us Jesus. Now notice that it says, I give We did not earn it. We did not achieve it. He was given to us divinely. Everything that you are, he is aware of. Nothing is missed by Almighty God. He knows your flaws. He knows your uncertainties and your wants. He never said he was mad. He never said that he hated you. He never said he was disappointed in you. But what he did say is that he loves you unconditionally no matter what. The scripture says, if you will call upon him and ask him to help you. For many of us, some of us have struggles in this room. Some of us need to be comforted. The God of the Bible who reveals himself through the scriptures cares. How do I know that? Turn with me to Psalms 139. Psalms 139. Psalms 139, verses 1 through 4 says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knows my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understands my thoughts afar off. O you, Lord, you come past my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. There's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it altogether. Isn't that a great Isn't that a great psalm? A beautiful psalm. How much he knows us. Question is, if he knows the very hairs on our heads and he knows our cares and he knows our wants and he knows our needs, how much does he know us? 
The Bible says that he cared for us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. In Romans 5a, but God commanded his love toward us, and yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us, because he cares for us. Point number two, God cares. Not only does God know us, but he cares for us in everything we do. Watch this. Jeremiah 29 verse 12 says, Then you will call, then he will listen. Then. I'm not an English teacher and I don't profess to be. I'm a biblical teacher. But nothing can happen until then. It says there, Then you will call, then he will listen. It requires an action on our part to be reconciled to him, to come to him. But when we take the action, we have assurance that he listens and that he cares. Isn't that a wonderful thought? You see, in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Cast all your cares on him, for he what? He, that's right, because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him. Cast all your needs on Him. Cast all your hurt, all your habits, all your pain, all your suffering on Him, for He cares for you. Everything that we have is given by God so that we can give back to Him. And it's because of the cross we have a line of communication directly to Him. And it's because of the cross we have the ability to talk to the Creator of this world. Because of the cross, we can join together and be strengthened in common bond. However, if you have never come to the cross for forgiveness and repentance of your sins, then this comfort is eluding you. You'll never understand. God still cares, but the cross is the bridge to communicate with Him. Galatians 6.14 reads, But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The cross is how God reconciled us to Him, and we must follow it in everything we do. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20 says, And through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross, through Him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Matthew sixteen twenty four through 26 says, Then Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone wishes to come after Me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. Are we following church? God is listening for us to come to Him. It's obedience We must take that step, avoid the genie in a lamp syndrome. God's desire, His very care is for our small lives here on a very big earth to be changed. James 4.14 says, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are but a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Life has never been about you and it's never been about me. We are tiny and small on this planet. Yes, He cares. Yes, He loves you. And yes, He desires a relationship with you. But church, we have to want it too. We have to want to have that relationship with Him. As I look back at the characters of the Bible that we've gone through, 
Church, I just want you to know that I'm sure they were going through the same struggles. I'm sure that they thought the same thing. And even the Old Testament, we don't see the cross. And yes, sacrifices were being made. But yet in the New Testament where it actually addresses where no longer it's not about the law, it's about grace. Where now we can go to to the Father through Jesus Christ because of the cross and the blood that was shed. They may not have had that, but they had His promises. Church, I'm here to tell you that God cares for you. And I wish I could, I, I wish I could get the fanciest words, the biggest words to say how much God cares for you. But I'm going to sum it up with L-O-V-E, love. That should say enough. Point two is God cares. Point three, our response. In Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it says this. Verse 13. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. The end. Mic drop. I'm out of here. See you all later. If you care for me, if you seek me, if you search for me, If everything you do, and you do it wholeheartedly, you will what? It says you will, you will find me. The song word of God speak. We can only find him if we're seeking him out. So, are you seeking him right now? That's the question. So the response is, have you sought him out? Do you seek him out? For guidance and for direction, for hope, for everything in your life. Does your life desire to follow after Him? It's the key point for today. And here's our path to follow. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the path we have to follow to have the Lord in our lives. Here are a few verses that show us a roadmap roadmap for living well and focusing on Him. Proverbs 25, 2, it says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. What is a person before he becomes a king? He's an heir. Where are we? Who are you? What is an heir? What is a heir? What is an heir? I didn't say heir. I said heir. <laughs> That's for those that were just nodding off. I just saw that, Ryan. Yeah, I'm just kidding. What are we? Romans 8.17 says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, not heir, heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. Do you see that, church? Okay, sure, pastor, but could you read that for me one more time in Romans chapter 8, verse 17? I would be honored to. Thank you for asking. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. As heirs, God says, if you want to be a king, you will search out the matters of his heart and seek them in your life. Seeking will bring you peace, happiness, and glory. As an heir, we must seek after the Lord to draw closer to him. Let me say that again. It is not... As an heir, we must seek after the Lord to draw closer to Him. If you never seek Him with your heart, with your soul, with all your might, 
with all your strength. You'll never know him. I call my wife a princess. I have for years because she's the queen, the girls are the princesses. Now they correct me, but that was before they became of age. But they're heirs of my family. So let me put it to you like this. This is real simple. For all the things that I have and all the things that I hope to have, they're heirs to, right? How many of you see that bumper sticker that says, I'm spending my children's inheritance? That is ludicrous. Oh, anyhow, Ron, I have it. It's on the back of my car, man. Yeah, just kidding. And, uh, but people are doing it all the time. They're putting it on the back of the car and they're saying, I'm spending my children's inheritance because you're part of that inheritance. Why is it we come to church? We say that we've accepted Jesus Christ We've been baptized in him. And now the Bible says old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Baptized in the likeness of his death. Raised in the likeness of his resurrection to walk in the newness of life. The thing that I find very, very interesting is this. People say, yes, pastor, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I got baptized. But then they stopped walking in Christ. The only way you can walk in Christ is to live a life in Christ. That means we've got to seek Him out with our whole heart, understanding that, listen, I am blessed to be around a bunch of royalty in this room. So I'm going to say this, and you'll never hear me say it again. I am not worthy to be in your presence. <laughs> Just kidding. Isn't that what they do on TV? Isn't that what they do? You're to bow before everybody that's part of the royal family. But church, I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ gives us life, and we, have, we are heirs to all of the benefits that God has to offer us. But we're limited to our thinking because we don't believe what the scriptures have to say in Romans chapter 8 verse 17. Now if we are children then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings and in order that we may also share in his glory. Hallelujah! That's what I'm talking about. Everything I've gone through, everything I've journeyed through, all the nonsense of my life, guess what? I have an heir to the throne. I'm a part of the royal family, and that is God Almighty. Don't be limited. Don't be limited to the benefits that God has for His children. Wow, that sounds like a prosperity type of message. Well, I'm not arguing with the Word of God. The Word of God tells me right here that if I'm His child, then I have privileges to that. But He says that I have to seek Him with my whole heart. He says He already knows the plans He has for me. He already knows the future that's in store for me. We have to live a life that is about cultivating a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because He knows and He cares for us. You see, we meet together to be challenged to grow and to seek after God. Standing on the fringe of God's calling won't impact your life. It's time to move. Because God cares. He will be there to comfort you and He knows what you need. However, before you'll receive, before you'll ever receive the benefits that God has, you have to come to Him. And you have to ask Him. So in this place, in the sanctuary, in this church, will you respond to Him? 
None of us is perfect and none of us has it all together. We need to respond because God calls us to respond. So today, what is your response? I'm leaving it up to him. Glad I'm not that leader. Glad I'm not that teacher. Glad I'm not up in the sound booth. Hi, Jen. I see you. Good old Sam. I always want to say, I say CJ, SJ, LJ. Please, no more J's in this place. SJ and Jen. We'll call her JB. Jen Ballard, right? There it is. Appreciate your help. They heard the call and they responded to the call. How many deacons are in this room? Would you please stand? Ron? How many trustees are in this room? Would you please stand? How many children are in this room? Would you please stand? Oh, they're, they're all back in class. I just... Look, and here, here they are. Uh, <clears throat> trustees, I just want to say it's really great to see you back into the sanctuary. And uh, very well. And uh, so we have... And who is the treasurer in our church? If you will please stand. Who's the pastor's wife in this church? And uh, let me see what other officers I might have in here. I know, I'm getting ready for that. And who are all the wonderful wives to these men that are in this room? Y'all better stand. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, now, and I ask all of you, and I, and I admonish all of you. You may be seated. I want to thank each and every person that's in this room. So now it's your turn. How many of you are children of the Most High God? Please stand. There you go. See, there you go. See how easy that is? The the challenge is this in our response is to do now what? Walk in it, right? You may be seated. So now I just want to say this to, to everybody. On my way to church today, I was... I'll be concluding here in the, in the message as well. Uh, on my way to church today, we were, we were going down Newton Street. We live a far distance from here, about three miles. And uh, I love saying that because I used to have to drive clear over there to North Akron. But um, we get in the car, man. We are here in no time whatsoever. I mean, it's like, bam, and we're at church. And, uh, but on our way to church, I looked over at Emmanuel Baptist. I think that's what the, is that the name of it? Emmanuel Baptist up by our house? Anyhow, and I saw an elderly gentleman out there. Man, he was dressed to the nines. He looked sharp. Plugged in his. As I was going by, I love seeing workers for the Lord. And so as we were driving by, he had his uh, leaf blower. Thank you, honey. See, that's why she's great to be in my life. And uh, so he had it plugged in, and he's out there. And I looked at my wife, and I said, See, see what a value he is to the kingdom. See what a value he is to his pastor and to the people in that church. He's out there blowing the leaves off that concrete. Who knows how many people are going to go to that church? Maybe two, maybe 200, maybe 2,000. I don't know. But I know this. He doesn't care. He's out there serving the Lord. He's responding to the call that God put on his heart and in his life. I said, what time is it? She said, 20 after 9. I said, I'm turning around. She goes, okay. I go, I'm turning around to go back there because I need to lift that man up. 
we whipped it in there. Well, by the time I turned around, we were already on Monroe Falls. I got, he was already in. That was the quickest leaf job I've ever seen in my life. He was, I mean, for a guy who was in his late 70s, he was moving like he was Superman. I walked in the church and I said, excuse me, sir, are you the man that was just out there blowing leaves? Don't you love when you, people ask you questions like that? The first thing they do is like, not me, I don't know. I think he's in the other room. Let me go get him. That's only if you show up and you're in a police outfit, right? Then there are people who are like, well, it wasn't me. I wasn't the guy out there. Anyhow, um, but I said, hey, I just want you to know. I have a church down here on Southeast Avenue. And from the bottom of my heart, I want to say to you, thank you so much for responding to the call that God has laid on your heart. To be a man who will go outside for these people. And the guy's looking at me and his eyes are this big. And I said, I just want to say thank you. Because you mean a lot to your pastor. You mean a lot to the church. You mean a lot to the congregants that are here. The people that are part of your, your church. And then he looked at me with his puzzled look. And he said, well, thank you. As he's backing away from me to go into a classroom. He's probably like, security, get him out of the building. I told my wife, I said, okay, that was awkward. He, I think he was just stunned. He didn't, he didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to do. He was just kind of at a place where what do I do now? But church, God knows your heart and he cares for you. I like what Charles Stanley says. He says, obey God and leave all the consequences up to him. And here are the life principles. I'm going to say them very quick and hopefully you'll grasp on them and we'll close. Trust God with your life and all that concerns you. These are the life principles for obeying God's instructions. Wait on the Lord for an answer to your problem or situation. When in doubt, refuse to move ahead unless you know God is leading you. Meditate on God's work, on His Word. When you saturate your mind with the Word of God, you gain His viewpoint. When a temptation comes, you will know right from wrong and can act accordingly. Listen to the Holy Spirit. I love this part. Listen to the Holy Spirit. God continues to speak to His people today. He speaks to us through His Word, the Holy Spirit, and through the words of a pastor or trusted Christian friend. We become sensitive to the Spirit of God by, sending, by spending time with Him. By doing what? By praying. By studying the principles in Scripture. Be willing to wait or walk away when the way before you isn't clear. Be obedient to Him. Be willing to endure conflict. When the nation of Israel entered the promised land at God's direction, she had to face strong enemy opposition. God really empties our lives of trouble and conflict. If he did, we would not have any reason to depend on him. He allows enough difficulty to keep us turned toward him. And then last, leave the consequences to God. Leave everything. Trust him. Say, God, I've made, I've made some mistakes, but I'm trusting you today to take care of it all. Obedience may not be easy. You may receive criticism from others or face fierce obstacles and opposition but it will always put you in a favorable position before God. He will take care of all that concerns you. Stay on the path of obedience and leave the rest to Him. Sometimes God's plans are hard for us to understand. It had to be hard for Abraham. It had to be hard for Moses. It had to be hard for Joshua. It had to be hard for Gideon. But forgetting to understand why God was reducing his fighting force down from 32,000 men to only 300, 
And even the way God did it seemed to be a strange, strange way. Choosing only 300 men. No matter how hard it may be for us to understand why God is doing what He is doing or why He is telling us to do something that we think is outlandish, we need to believe His plans. And I'm going to leave you with these two books from the Bible, from the Old Testament. Here's our verses, church. And Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And then the orchestra starts to play, and the choir rises to their feet. And the text from Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 13 says, For I know the plans I have for you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. Plans to give you a future. Then you will call on me. Then you will come to me. Then you will pray to me. Then you will seek me with everything that's in you. And I will listen to you. Oh, but my child, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So church, if you don't listen to God, the consequences are not going to be good. Listen to His voice. React upon His prompting. And know that what you're doing is moving in the right direction. Because He says, when you seek Me with your whole heart, I know who you are. Just have the courage. Someone once said that courage is the strength or choice to begin a change. Determination is the persistence to continue that change. When God speaks to us about changing our lives like He did to Abraham, Moses, Joshua, Gideon, it takes courage and determination to see that change happen. But we are not alone. He's given us the Holy Spirit to show us the need to change, empower us to make the change, and strengthen us to live a life of change. Hear God speak today. Respond to His correction. Obey to His instructions and believe His plans for your life. Let's all stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you a question today. No one is looking around. And in the quietness of this room, it's a quiet place to be honest with you, yourself, with God. For everybody that's in this congregation, in this room, would you slip your hand up if you need something from the Lord today? How many of you would say, yes, today, I need something from the Lord? Amen. Amen. All over the room. Amen. You may put your hands down. See, what you just did is you just profess, God, I need you. You're signaling him. Because what you're saying to him is, Lord, I need you. Maybe for some of you, you've never met a God who loves you. Today I want to introduce you 
to that God who sent His Son Jesus to die for you, to give you life, and to give it to you abundantly. For maybe you're, for some in here, you might be seeking a church home to be a part of. Well, we'd love to receive you. Or maybe you are just tired of running from God and need to rest in Him. We're going to sing this song. It's called, Oh, Come to the Altar. Maybe God has been speaking to you and maybe today you've been questioning some things in your life and you just need to lay it down at the altar and say, God, here I am, here, here's my life and, and I want to be used like these mighty men of valor, these men with courage because you saw the potential in them. You can ask God, God, do you see the potential in me? I'm here today to seek you and to find you with my whole heart. Father God, we love you and we just praise your holy name. In the quietness of this sanctuary, in these moments before we head out into the traffic, into the noise, God, may we feel your presence. May you embrace us where we stand or where we sit. God, you saw the needs of those in the sanctuary. So, God, they slipped up their hand and their hand was open. They were signaling you. They were waving to you, saying, God, here I am. Use me. Reshape me. God, in this room, I hope and I pray that you'll take away all the fear, all of the doubt, all of the questions. It's holding people back from giving their all to you. God, I thank you for these women of courage, these men of courage, the youth of courage, the congregation of courage. God, we're here because we love your word. Thank you, Father God, for giving us a hope and a future. For we trust in you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.